Well, tonight I would like to have you turn back in your Bibles to the very same place that we were this morning, and that is the Gospel of John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3. If you weren't with us this morning, I am beginning a new study in this new year on the Gospel of John. We will be here all year plus uh, going through this glorious Gospel that John intends intends for us to learn the answer to the question, who is Jesus? Who is he? And this morning, we looked at uh, the purpose of the book of the Gospel of John, and we looked at verse 1. This evening, we're going to look at verses 2 and 3. Let me read again for you John 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Well, this morning, we saw that Jesus Christ is called the Word. And he is called the Word because Jesus is the truth about God, and the truth about God is Jesus the very essence of who God is, all of the truth about the person and work of God is found in Jesus Christ. And so he is called the very word of God. When Jesus taught, it was God teaching. When Jesus rebuked the demons, it was God rebuking the demons. When Jesus spoke, Miracles, it was God speaking those miracles. When he comforted his disciples, it was God bringing comfort. Just as I shared with you this morning, and when Jesus scolded the Pharisees, it was God scolding the Pharisees. So he is the very word of God, and as I shared with you this morning, that was especially significant and important to his Jewish readers because the spoken word of God could never be separated from the person of God in the Jewish mind. It was God who spoke creation into being. And so the word of God, his words and his person were one in the same. And so this would be a stunning, astounding when John would describe Jesus as the very word And so we saw this morning that in the beginning was the Word. Clearly a reference to Jesus Christ based on the context of the whole book, based on the context of the first 18 verses, and especially verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John takes us back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now he says, in the beginning was the word. Jesus existed from the very beginning. He was before the heavens and earth were spoken into being. So interesting this morning. I had someone come up to me out in the foyer and tell me they were raised in the Catholic church. And all their life. All their life, they just assumed that there was God. And then in Bethlehem, in the manger, then Jesus came about. So it was kind of God the Father, and then there was Jesus, but he didn't come about until 
He came into this world not thinking that he had always existed. And that's what John is proclaiming here. As he wants to convince us of the truth that Jesus is God. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As we saw this morning, that great Trinitarian statement that is wonderfully, beautifully mystical and mysterious, and yet so true. The Word, Jesus, was with God, second person of the Trinity. God is one in three persons. So the word was with God, and yet the word was God. And so through verses like this, we proclaim as a church and believe and defend and hold to the fact that our God is one God in three persons. We must never deny that. It is the heart and soul of our faith. And at the very same time, we affirm and proclaim that Jesus is God in fullness of deity. He is the very God of God. And so we proclaim both at the same time, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, and Jesus is fully God. Well, that brings us to the next two verses, and our first point tonight is always God. The Apostle John tells us that Jesus Christ, the Word, existed from the very beginning. In verse 2 it says, He was in the beginning with God. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to ask you tonight, why would John emphasize the same truth in two verses? He already said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In verse 2, he says he was in the beginning with God. So basically, he's repeating himself. And the question is why, and I believe here is the why, and that is he wants to really emphasize to all of us that God was always like Jesus. Jesus was always like God. He was always God. He was in the beginning with God. And He was God. And the Word was God. Now, this brings up, I think, a very important point in understanding that I think John is hitting on here. Sometimes... It is easy for us, even as Christians, to think there was one God in the Old Testament and another God in the New Testament. We kind of subtly have that thought in our theology and mind. And here's how we kind of think about it. We think that the God of the Old Testament was holy and righteous And he was angry and vengeful. He was the God who wiped out entire towns and cities because of their sin. Who brought his wrath on large groups of people. And then we come to the New Testament. Oh, I'm thankful for the New Testament because we have a different God. We've got Jesus. And so thankful for Jesus because he is loving and he is compassionate and he is gentle. And folks, I just want to make sure it's clear to all of us, we must never, ever, ever think that way. Ever. Some of you will remember that back in September, one of our elders, John Leaf, spoke on September 8th, Sunday night, September 8th, on the topic, is the Old Testament still worth studying? 
And one of the reasons that question is asked is because we think the Old Testament is about this vengeful, angry God, not the compassionate, loving, gentle Jesus of the New Testament. And as John Leaf shared with us that night, there are some even well-known pastors who question whether we should even be studying the Old Testament. And I just want to make clear to all of us tonight that the God of the Old Testament was holy and righteous, but he was also loving and compassionate and gentle. And Jesus was loving and compassionate and gentle, but he is all also holy and righteous. And that's because the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are the exact same God. He hasn't changed at all. He hasn't changed at all. And I think John really wants to emphasize that to us, that he was in the beginning with God. And you know why he was in the beginning with God? Because he was God. He was very God of God. He is the very essence of God. And so this means that everything that can be said about God the Father can be said about God the Son. Let me say that again. This means that everything that can be said about God the Father can be said about God the Son. In Jesus dwells all the wisdom of the Father. In Jesus dwells all the glory of the Father. In Jesus dwells all the power of God the Father. In Jesus dwells all the love of God the Father. In Jesus dwells all the holiness of God the Father. In Jesus dwells all the justice of God the Father. In Jesus dwells all the goodness of God the Father. In Jesus dwells all the truth of God the Father. You see, in Jesus, God the Father is known. As I shared with you this morning, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. You want to know what is God like? Look at Jesus, for he is God in the flesh. Great passage that we will look at in the future as we study through the Gospel of John in the upper room before Jesus is about to go to his death. Philip looks at Jesus, says, Jesus, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Love what you've taught, Master. This has been great. But show us the Father. Show us what God is like. John 14, 9, don't miss it. Jesus said to him, to Philip, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? What a statement. Have you been with me all this time, Philip, and you still don't understand what I am trying to convey to you? Whoever, this is what Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And that means this, that God has spoken to us, God has spoken to man personally through his eternally existent Son, Jesus Christ. So, here's the big picture. Little theology here, nothing too deep, just a big pic theological picture. 
we have in the Bible what is known as general revelation, or it teaches general revelation. General revelation is that there are things that can be known about God through creation. Generally, there are things. Romans chapter 1 is the great chapter on this. What can be known about God can be seen through creation. But that is general. Then there what is known or what is known as specific revelation and that is the Bible. So we have the general revelation of creation. We see the majesty of God in the created order. But we have specific revelation in the Bible. And in the Bible we, we have to have Specific revelation because it's known, and forgive me for using a big word here, but it's known as salvific. And that simply means we can't know how to be saved apart from the word of God. We need the Bible to tell us that this God of creation came to us, has spoken to us, sent his son to us. His son died for us and rose again. And through him, we can have eternal life. So we have general revelation and we have specific revelation. And then also, we have God the Son who shows us the Father in a very personal and real way. So, sometimes we say this in theology. We say we have the written word and we have the living word. We have the written word, the Bible, and we have the living word, Jesus Christ. So, we have general revelation, we have specific revelation, and we have God making himself known to us very personally in the person and work of his son, Jesus. So, We would say God is infinite. But we would say equally, Jesus is infinite because Jesus is God. Jesus is self-existing. He is without origin. And the fullness of God's glory is found in Jesus. We think of the great glory of God that manifests itself in the Old Testament, that manifests itself in the New Testament, We think of the Mount of Transfiguration. We think of the great glory of God in the book of Revelation, especially chapters 4 and 5. And we see the fullness of God's glory found in the person of Jesus. In Hebrews 1, 3, we have a wonderful verse, important verse. It says this about Jesus. It says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high it's the first part of verse 3 this is a great verse to memorize in the NIV it says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature same thing here in the esv he is the radiance of the glory of god in the exact imprint of his nature boy that's it it's exactly what john is saying in john 1 1 through 3 he is the radiance of the glory of god and the exact imprint the exact imprint of the nature of god 
What a powerful truth. So that leads us. And God revealing himself to us in Jesus in a very personal way to two other great truths. The first truth is this. The truth that Jesus Christ is God means that his death on the cross was significant. It means that was God in the flesh dying on the cross for us. It means that in in this way, He became the one all-sufficient and acceptable sacrifice for man's sin. Because he was God, Jesus had no sin. Being God, he is sinless. And hence, when he died, he died for the sins of others in their place. He removed forever the burden of their sin from them, from those who believe in him. And so we need to see that the cross is significant because the one who hung on the cross was God in the flesh. It was God dying in our place. As astounding and as un- and unbelievable as that is, it is the truth that it was the Word who was in the beginning. It was the Word who was with God and was God. He was the one dying on the cross In our place. And John will make that point as we move on through the gospel. But there is a second truth. Because Jesus Christ is fully God. It means that he is able to satisfy. All the needs of your soul. He truly is your greatest treasure. Your greatest delight. Your greatest satisfaction. That emptiness that you feel. Those longings that you have those urges that go unfulfilled, those dark times that you experience in your life, maybe when you're alone, maybe it's cloudy, you feel maybe discouraged, depressed, all that you are looking for, all that you are longing for, every need of your heart, every need of your soul finds its satisfaction in Jesus. And sometimes we wander Because we are looking to satisfy our souls in places other than Christ himself. And so it's like we wander in a nameless desert when what we're really looking for is found in our one true treasure. You see, God is infinite and therefore Jesus is infinite. And therefore he and he alone is able to satisfy you out of his inexhaustible riches. What a thought for us tonight. He is able to bring a satisfaction to our souls that cannot be found anywhere else in anything or any person. Do not ask your spouse to satisfy in you what only Christ can. Do not ask your children to satisfy in you what only Christ can. It's where we run into trouble in our lives. We do. You aren't doing this for me. You aren't doing this for me. And we're looking for someone or something to bring that satisfaction. It's not found in a particular home or a particular vacation or a particular place. That greatest satisfaction is found in Jesus because he was in the beginning with God. He is God. Well, our second point tonight is the creator 
The word of God who became flesh and dwelt among us is the creator of the universe. Not only was he in the beginning, not only was he with God and was God, not only was he in the beginning with God, but in verse 3 we read, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Word of God, who became flesh and dwelt among us, is the creator of the universe. And I want you to just really let it sink in how all-encompassing verse 3 is. All things, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Folks, that just means everything. It means everything. Jesus of Nazareth, who taught on the seashore and in the boat, and in the synagogues, and in the temple. Jesus of Nazareth, who healed the blind, the lame, and the crippled. Jesus of Nazareth, who loved with a love never before seen by people. Jesus of Nazareth, who rebuked, who protected, who ultimately died. Jesus of Nazareth is your creator. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. And he is the one who created you. So putting this together, God... The Word created the world. God, the Word, capital W, created the world. Your Savior, your Lord, your friend is your Maker. Perhaps no other passage says this as well as Colossians chapter 1 and verses 16 and 17. What a great passage. This is what it says about Jesus. Now compare Colossians 1, 16 and 17 with John 1, 1 through 3. It says, For by him, by Jesus, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Wow. Again, I want you to notice how all-encompassing that is. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So I want to say tonight, contrary to what is taught by Muslims and Jehovah's Witnesses, Jesus was not created. And that is what both of them teach. Now, you may know that in the Bible that the Jehovah's Witnesses use, they translate verse 1 as in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was a God. And the Word was a God. It was a God who was created by the God. The God created a God. That God is Jesus, that's what they teach. Now, first of all, you can go to any credible commentary and you can have them break down for you how that in the Greek structure that's an impossibility 
That's a complete mistranslation. But the Greek aside, all you have to do is read chapter 1. All you have to do is read chapter 1 verses 1 through 18 and you will see that that simply doesn't fit with the context of this chapter. The correct translation is, and the word was, God. Now, they will also point you to Colossians 1. Verse 15, where it says that Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. See, he was the firstborn of all creation. Well, a number of years ago, I preached through Colossians, and that's not what it means. When it says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, it doesn't mean that he was born as a creature. It means he was the firstborn of God in the sense that he has all the rights of a firstborn. In the ancient world, if you were the firstborn male in a family, you got everything. All the rights of the father belong to the firstborn son. And all that Paul is saying as he writes to the church at Colossae is, he is the firstborn of all creation. He is the one who has all the rights of the father. And then he goes on in verses 16 and 17 to say, by him all things were created. So I want to emphasize to us tonight as a church, Jesus is not a creature He created creatures. Okay, now please be careful here. In Mary's womb, there was an incarnation, but not a creation. Are you with me tonight? There was an incarnation, but there was not a creation. Jesus always existed. Jesus is not a creature. He created creatures. And this verse, verse 3, John 1, 3, makes explicit and emphatic and crystal clear that everything in the category of created was created by Christ. Okay, let me say that again. This verse makes explicit and emphatic and crystal clear that everything in the creator in the category of created was created by Christ. Therefore, Christ was not created. He has always existed. Always. And we go back to in the beginning, and that's good. That's where John takes us, but way before in the beginning. He always existed. God doesn't have a beginning. It's almost impossible for our minds to fathom, but he doesn't. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they don't have a beginning. They've always existed. And if you have always existed, you can't bring yourself into being. Okay? If you have always existed, you can't then create yourself. You can't bring yourself into being. So Christ was not made. That's what it means to be God. You've always been there. You've always existed. What I want to do now is just when we close tonight, we're going to sing that song, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him. And I chose that song because I want it to bring together both this morning and this evening. John writes in the very opening of his letter, in the beginning 
was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. O come, let us adore him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the word who was in the beginning, who was with God and was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things, all things were created by him because he is God of very God. Oh, I pray that you would give us the highest possible view of Jesus, that he is God, that he is to be exalted, that he is to be worshipped, that he is to be believed. For we pray, as we always do in all of our prayers, in his name, amen.